Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. All right. Stand with me, if you would, please. Hold your Bibles up high. Welcome all of you watching online from around the world, wherever you might be. We welcome you. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today, I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I will never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, we're so thrilled to have you on this Palm Sunday, uh, and we're glad that you have tuned in. Looking very forward to celebrating Jesus this year on Easter Sunday in person, live. If you recall, last year we were online. Uh, We didn't get to have an Easter celebration. Uh, Thank God we get to this year. I'm going to start today by... Going back to the scripture in Matthew chapter 21, and what brought Jesus to this day that we recognize as Palm Sunday, and throughout his life, we see that Jesus was very attentive to the purpose of God, the plan of God to come into the world, and that the world through him might be saved. In the midst or the process, better yet, of Jesus getting to this day that we would call Palm Sunday, there were a lot of voices that were surrounding him. Voices that were crying for healing. Voices that said, we want you to be our king now. Voices from everywhere surrounding Jesus. Now, the reason I share this, I think it's important to realize that today in our world, there are so many voices on television, on radio, on podcasts, on YouTube. So many voices surrounding us. And many, if not most of those voices, oftentimes conflict with one another. Throughout the pandemic, I've had the the good fortune of uh, having friends who are doctors and nurses, and they tell me one thing. Fox News tells me something else. C-SPAN says something else. Podcast says something else. And there are so many voices, and it's very difficult to know which voice to believe. And so as a result of that, I want to talk today about what it took for Jesus to get to this day, 30 years preparing himself for ministry, which Jewish men could not enter into until they were 30. And so Jesus is having to process things for 30 years, knowing that at 30, things were going to shift. Now, in our lives, what we need to realize is there are seasons where things shift, But those things typically don't shift unless we handle the process correctly. Or matter of fact, they might shift, but in the wrong way. So in Matthew chapter 21, verse 1, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her, untie them, And bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. 
This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did just as Jesus instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus on, the, on them, sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, we all know the story that just in a matter of a couple of days, they would be screaming, Crucify him. So we have the voices one day going, Hosanna, the greatest man ever, the prophet Jesus. And just a few days later, they're saying, crucify him. There are all these voices going on around Jesus, around the people, creating confusion, questions. Is he really who he says he is? Is he really who others say he is? And that is a great question today. In the world in which we live, there are people asking that very question, is he real? And unfortunately, if we are not in tune with the Word of God, the Spirit of God, there's a really good chance we'll abandon God. Now, it doesn't mean that we will necessarily uh, abandon the truth that he is the Savior of the world, but we might abandon the truths, plural, that help us achieve what God has called us to achieve on this side of heaven. Now, there are three ways that I, I've determined that most people will choose to hear God. And I hate the first one, but it's often true. We often hear God because we're experiencing pain. Or we'll run to God hoping we'll hear Him because we experience pain. I learned a lot in my young life, in my childhood that pain was a, a great thing to teach me. When my mother said, I'm going to spank you, immediately I wanted to press into the Lord. That pain made me want to change. It made me want to be obedient. It made me, it made me want to do something different because I, I didn't like pain. So a lot of people, the only time they get really interested in God is when they're in pain. They never ask you to pray for them when things are going good. Let me tell you, things are going really good for, for me right now. I want to ask you to pray for me. I don't want to wait till we get to the point of pain. How many of you know at some point, every child needs to learn, I don't like spankings. Now, this generation has never seen a belt in their life. That's the reason they're chaotic. And, and all of you people who are real, you know, like whatever you are, the Bible makes it very clear. You spare the rod, you hate the child. The reason we've got a bunch of trouble in our world today is they haven't been introduced to pain the way we were. Now, I know you're going to get mad at me. I'm politically incorrect, which is very consistent. I typically try to get it out of the way first five minutes of my sermon. I don't want to wait to the end and surprise you. Let me just get politically incorrect right up front and get her done. But the reality is that as a pastor, I've seen this throughout the years. You know, somebody, uh, they, they get real desperate. They're in great pain. 
And, and the Bible says that Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered, through the pain he experienced. And, and that's all he's asked us to do is learn obedience through the thing we're suffering or the pain we're experiencing. But the reality is that I've, I've watched people that, boy, they were bad shape. They, they were not even a paycheck away from, you know, a mess. Their families are wrecked. Their marriage is wrecked. And they finally, finally decide to come to church. And here's what happens. And I hope I'm not preaching to the choir here, but here's what happens. After about two or three months, marriage is better, got a job, everything starts going, six months, nine months. And over that course of nine months, I start seeing them fade from attendance. They forgot why they came. The pain that they experienced brought them into the house of God, into the presence of God, into a place of miracles, and, and they received the miracle, they, they get there, and then all of a sudden, they just, they kind of ghost Jesus, they just ghost him. They ghost the church. They fade. And we have to understand that, that if we're going to live the life that Jesus wants us to live, it's not a, just a one-moment deal where we say, yeah, Jesus, though he responds, we begin to remove him, and we forget the pain that we experienced. Now, granted, pain is not my favorite way to want to hear God, but I'm just telling you, it's probably the most... Uh, it's, it's what most people do. Because the second thing is, most people aren't even aware of the second thing. I wasn't growing up. I, I went to a church that never talked to me about promises. God promised if I would do this, he would do that. If I bring the tithe into the storehouse, he'd open the windows of heaven. If I'd forgive, I'd be forgiven. If I was kind, I'd be shown kindness. Whatever I'd sow, I reap. Those promises never resonated with me because I never heard them. All I ever heard was pain and suffering. So I learned to respond to that, and it was okay, but when I wasn't in pain, now how am I motivated to hear God? When I get out of pain, why would I now be motivated to even go to church or hear a preacher or hear God? And, and let me say this to you. There's not a per perfect preacher anywhere, so if you're looking for a preacher who's always going to be spot on, you're going to be spot on disappointed. The reason we come to the house of God, the reason we pursue God first begins with that painful experience. Things are not good. I'm depressed. I'm not right. Things are not going right well for me. And so we press into God, and that's okay. A lot of religious people uh, don't think that that's acceptable. Well, you just ought to receive Jesus because he's Jesus. I get it, but I'm just human. You're just human. And oftentimes we don't respond to God without having some stimuli out there that causes us to decide I think there's something more than what I'm living right now. I think there's more to this life than what I'm experiencing. And, and so that next step is the promises of God cause me to want to hear God. Now, these promises are very, very important to us because these are what I think we live by more than ever anything. It's knowing, God, things are tough right now, but you have promised you would meet every need I have according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. That's a promise. He said, I promise you I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I promise you if you'll obey me, you'll be blessed in the city, you'll be blessed in the country, you'll be blessed coming in, you'll be blessed going out, you'll be the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath, though your enemies come at you from one direction, I'll make them flee in seven. Those are promises. On your worst day, without a J-O-B and everything in trouble, I go, God, I'm in pain right now, but the pain is no longer what's moving me. Your promises are moving me. You said you would never fail me. 
And so if you want to develop this ear to hear God, and let me say this to you. God wants to be involved in every little decision of our lives. Most of the time, we only include God when we have the flu, COVID, or something else. We only include God when we're broke, busted, and disgusted. But God says, you know, i really like to help you with the car you want to buy. You say, well, that's insignificant, God. It really doesn't matter until it breaks down. And you get a lemon because you didn't talk to God. There's an intuition in us that, that you can call it intuition, and many people call it intuition. I like to give the Holy Spirit credit for every good thing. So if I do have an intuitive thought about something, I could really say, thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving me intuition. God wants to be involved in every aspect of our lives. But he will never force himself upon you or me or any decision that we might want to make. He's so kind and so gracious. And so when, when we say praise God for anything good that happens, what we're saying is your promises did this. And the third thing is once, you, once you've experienced the pain and realized that's not going to be enough to keep you, you go to the promise. But the third thing is the purpose for which you were born. Jesus knew his purpose. When they tried to make him king, he said, hold it. My purpose is greater than being an earthly king. I'm called to be an everlasting king. And so that purpose motivated him that when they were crying out, we want to make you king, be our king. Jesus, just imagine, he knew he was going to be nailed to a cross. The temptation in that very moment of them crying, we want to make you king, would have been more than enough for most of us to go, I think maybe God changed his mind and I don't have to go to the cross. If there had been no cross, no crucifixion, there would have been no crown and no salvation. Jesus said, the purpose for which I was sent is going to keep me on course. You see, we have to be very sensitive to the word of God in order to have all the promises of God, the yes and amens, the purpose fulfilled. So if you would, turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 3, and I'm going to use Samuel here for a moment as one who pressed into God. You may recall that his mother couldn't have a child, and she said, if you'd give me a child, God, I'll dedicate him to your service. She did, and, and so Samuel finds himself sitting under the priest who was corrupt his children were corrupt and and sometimes you say well in a world like this with all the corruption and all the the mess we're in right now how do I hear God well Samuel showed us how to hear God in a, a situation that wasn't really favorable because he had a heart toward God if I look at King David I look at all of his life and he loved God but boy he made some big mistakes but he never gave up his heart for God He had an ear to hear God, even in his darkest hour. And some people think that God is so cruel that that in your darkest hour, he's going to punish you and be silent, when in reality, in your darkest hour, God's screaming to save you. He hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. God is speaking to you. And many people today don't believe in the presence of God. They just believe in the power of God that will take us to heaven. But the presence of God changes everything. The Bible says, in his presence is fullness of joy, and his joy provides strength. I want to live in his presence because I want to experience his joy, and I want to know his strength in my time of weakness. 
The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. It doesn't say non-existent. It was rare. And some people say, you know, well, God's not speaking. No, that's not the truth. God's always speaking. The question is, are we always listening? You say, well, does he speak in an audible voice? Rarely. But he does. I know there are people who have heard the voice of God. You know, all I have to do is go to Numbers 21, and you see the story of Balaam. And and Balaam was commissioned by God, and God altered the plan uh, of those soliciting his prophetic services. And as he's riding on his donkey, the King James calls that donkey something else. I don't think they got it. But the Bible says that God opened the mouth of the donkey and he began to speak to Balaam. Sometimes even a donkey smarter than we are. But God was trying to get his attention. And God will speak. Miracles do happen. God is a good God. He's present today. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And the ark of God, as we know, represents the presence of God. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me? My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me? Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. When I talk about developing a hearing ear, a lot of people hear things, they just don't listen to what they hear. Now, I've got nearly 4 million miles on American Airlines. I can give the security briefing or the briefing as good as any flight attendant. I've heard it so many times, I can recite the words they're going to say. And can you imagine just for a moment how frustrating it might be to be a flight attendant knowing nobody is listening to you? You know, the pilot comes on and says, please give them your full attention. You look around, people, earbuds in, you know, you know. So finally, one flight attendant was so frustrated that she said, and when the mask drops, put it over your navel and keep on breathing. (laughs) Nobody even caught it. Why? It wasn't that they weren't hearing, it's that they weren't listening. Now, many of you women know that men hear, but we don't listen well. We just don't. 
There's something that we have to do to dial in and say, I don't want to miss what's being said. I don't know if you've ever been in a position where you thought, it's probably pretty important that I listen right now. Well, let me say this. I don't think there's ever been a day in my life where I feel like it's more important for me to try to listen to the Spirit of God than than today. I'm just going to deflate every one of your, your, your bubbles. I'm just going to burst them to let you know. And some of you will disagree with this, and I don't mean it to be disrespectful at all. But you probably cannot believe 10% of what's being said on television today on any network. I'm just going to get out there because I, I, I'm just done with political correct preaching. There are more lies being perpetrated throughout all of the media just to get our attention to hear what they have to say and in listening to everything going on around us as Jesus did in his day from the politics to the religious groups of people, you have to be very careful to realize I'm not going to do something just because everybody says I should or the media says I should. And, and now we, we go from the mask debate to the vaccination debate. That's the new debate. At least we don't have to see the vaccination like we did the masks. And I, I'm not picking on this, but I've, I've, got to, I've got as a pastor and a Christian leader help us understand that you don't want to do something out of fear. And you don't want to do something because they say it's going to work. Because we don't know yet. It's the first vaccine in the history of America, if I understand correctly, which could be a lie as well. (laughs) That this is the first vaccine that was not first tested on animals. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not really excited about being a lab rat. Now, you can do what you want. People are going to get mad at me because you've already done it or you're doing it. I don't really care what you do. That's between you and God. If you were to say, what should I do? I'd say, I'd say, do like Samuel, <laughs> go to Jesus, speak, Lord, speak. Now, you know, why would we get mad at somebody if somebody said, well, the Lord told me to do it? I'd say, well, great. If the Lord, you feel like the Lord impressed upon you to take it, take it. But at the same time, the people who don't take it now are going to be attacked by people who do because they think that you are a conspiracy theorist and that what they're putting in you is little chips. I happen to be one of those. There's no way I'm taking it. And you're going to get mad at me for saying that because usually preachers don't tell you. They don't, they don't show their hand. And you can get mad at me if you want to. But I'm not having anything like that put in my body. My wife will tell you I won't even take the flu shot. What I'm doing is putting that in my body. You say, well, you might die. Threaten me with heaven. Go right ahead. Threaten me with glory. Threaten me with no more electric bills. Threaten me with no more mortgage. Threaten me. Now, if you feel so inclined, I'm all for you doing it. The funny thing is, the people, there's just so much anger about somebody else's choices. I don't care what your choice is. God bless you. But I am a citizen just like you, and I'm a human like you, and I'm a Christian like you before I'm ever a preacher. But as a preacher, I feel very inclined to challenge you to not just do what your fear is motivating you to do. And you say, but I don't want to die. I don't either, but I'm going to. <laughs> I haven't determined yet how I want that to work. And, you know, I, I think I'm going to write my own 
funeral or memorial service and how I want it to go and what I want everybody to say about me. And you know what? They'll feel bad if they don't say it because I'm dead. We need to honor him. But many people are not listening any longer to what we call as Christians the voice of God. Many people don't believe in angels. Then why are they in the Bible? Folks, let me say something to you. God is just not, Jesus is just not our ticket to heaven. He's our director, our professor, our mentor. He's our everything. I don't want to just go to heaven. I want heaven to come to my life every day. I want to know the will of God every day. And when Samuel spoke here, he says, speak for your servant is listening. Now, here's what I want to ask you to do this week. I want to ask you to get up every morning. And if you're real shy, just go, to, go into the restroom, close the door and say, God, speak. Direct me. However you're comfortable, God, impress upon me. Your will for this day. You know, it doesn't, take, it doesn't take an hour to get God's attention. As a matter of fact, God's at attention before you ever open your eyelids every morning. And he's waiting for you and I to say, speak, Lord, I'm listening. And I know in a world that Hollywood can get by with all kinds of supernatural fake and phony stuff and people buy tickets to it. But when you come to church and you talk about the supernatural, people get weird about it. The true supernatural is in the house of God, not in Hollywood. We've allowed Hollywood to portray the supernatural, and the church has diminished the supernatural for fear that we might lose the natural people who are looking for the supernatural. You realize that there are a lot of really hurting people that really want more than what we've offered, what we've been willing to talk about. And I'm going to close with this thought right here. You say, well, how do I begin the process of developing a hearing ear? Well, the first thing is submission. You notice what Eli did was he first submitted to, or Samuel first submitted to Eli. He not only submitted to God, he submitted to the authority in, in the temple. Now, I'm not suggesting today that the way things are that, that that would be identical to back then, but there are people that speak into our lives that we, we know are going to make us better. And you may work for a company that has, you have a boss and your boss has a boss and your boss's boss has a boss. There are lines of authority that God will bless when you honor that authority. The Bible tells us to honor those in authority. We've lost that. And now what you hear young people say is, I ain't going to work for the man well, if the man pays me, I'm working for the man. You know, there, there's so much arrogance today. But the Bible says, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee. You know, many Christians today only use a portion of that scripture, I'm resisting the devil, he has to flee. No, he doesn't, not until you submit to God. Hallelujah. Devil doesn't run just because you know the last part of that verse in James 4, that you have to first submit in other words, God, I allow you to come and represent me. You are my attorney. 
uh, if you will, spiritually speaking. And until you allow him to become that advocate, that attorney, the devil's not going to flee. The only reason he's going to flee is because you've submitted to a power greater than him, which empowers you to resist his attack on your life. Second thing is permission. Well, once I submit, God wants me to hear this prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. I give you permission to take authority in my life. You say, well, he can do that if he wants to. Not the God we serve because he's not that kind of God. He doesn't just come in and say, I'm taking over. He'll watch you. He'll be there with you. But until you give him permission... And see, that's what's happened in our country. We have no longer submitted to God and his authority. Secondly, we no longer give him permission to be in government buildings, in schools. We have taken God out of society. And when you remove God, you have removed the protection of God from our lives. Nobody wants to hear it. They say, well, you know, it's prayer in school. There are a lot of different religions now, and we're going to cater to those religions. We were founded one nation under God, and we have given up the ground that God gave us to possess, and that's why we're having the problems we're having today. You've got a bunch of people who are scared to death to live. They're, they're not near as afraid to die. They're scared to live. It's the reason they're killing themselves and killing others is they're scared to live. Why? Because when you start living, you start listening. It changes everything. Fear drives us to do things that we would never do in our right mind. The Bible says perfect love casts out all fear. Third thing is, once you have submitted and permitted God in, then and only then, after the submission and permission, Will you live the commission of God going into all the world? A lot of people understand the great commission, but they've not given God permission, and there's been no submission in order for God to work in our lives. Some people ask, well, why is God blessing them? I would have a tendency to believe that somebody that you think is a horrid sinner has learned to submit to God. And can I tell you something? Submitted people might talk a little different than you. We've measured people's Christianity by simply, and please, I'm not giving, I'm just going to, I got to be real, man. I'm so tired of, I'm so tired of all this. I know it does not resonate with my a religious mind, but we often measure people's faith by maybe if they said a word that we think is unacceptable. Remember Peter cursed, and yet he was one of the 12? And we thought, oh, shame on him. Well, we don't say that because we see him as a disciple. We see him in the light of walking with Jesus. People who walk with Jesus are not perfect. And so, I know people that I probably would even question whether or not they were saved, that God's doing great things in their life. You say, why would God do that? Because they submitted to him. It doesn't mean everything in their life's cleaned up. It means everything in their life is submitted to him and that they're working on it. You realize salvation is an immediate response from heaven. Sanctification is a lifelong process. And once we get saved, that's just the beginning of the process of sanctification. Of saying, God, I want to be better. And you know, if something convicts me, that doesn't mean it's going to convict you. We think everybody ought to be just like us. Well, if I have this conviction, you should too. We may not share the same convictions and for some reason we'll never find out or know about And that doesn't make somebody worse than you or better than you. 
It just means God's working on you in a unique and different way. Samuel's a very unique story in the Bible. Very unique. You don't see these stories throughout the Bible. You see Samuel, whose mother said, I am submitted to God. If you'll give me a child, God, I give you permission to use him, and I'll put him in the temple. And God, at that point, you can commission him. And even Eli saw that God was speaking to him, commissioning Samuel to do something for his glory. And I'm going to close with this. There are those of you today that know people that are not serving the Lord. Next week's Easter, guess what? It's the most attended Sunday of the year for church. There will not be another weekend where more people will attend church. We'll be doing baptisms at 11 o'clock. Just, we want people to see how this works. And you say, well, what's baptism have to do with it? It's, it's an outward sign of an inward experience for people to say, I'm giving God permission to use me. I'm letting the world know I'm submitted and I've given God permission. Now, God, I want you to use me. I didn't know enough to hear God, and there are several ways we do that. One is we, we read the Word of God. It's one of the ways we hear Him, through His Word. Another is through impression of His Holy Spirit. And then a third one is we hear Him through other people. When I was a new Christian, I didn't know how to hear God. Couldn't read the Bible because it was King James. Just saying, it's still foreign to me, man. And, but there were two very prophetic voices, and both of them were women. And they were older ladies that knew my past and loved God. And they're saints. They're in heaven today. But they came up to me and prophetically spoke ministry over my life, and I didn't really want to hear it. But what it did was it opened me up. Their voice opened me up to God's voice. Sometimes when somebody says something to you, God's not saying do it. What God's really saying through them is God wants you to hear something very special. That's what it said to me, that it opened my heart and mind to me preaching God's word, which I had never given a thought to until these ladies came up, and then I, what I did, so I'm so stubborn, I said, God, if you ever want me to preach, you're going to have to have somebody call me and ask me, because I ain't asking nobody. The next day, a pastor called and said, would you come? <laughs> and I knew then, I thought, I'm in trouble. I just wanted to be sure that I wasn't flippantly taking somebody's word for it, but God uh, proved their word through that pastor who called me and said, oh, and I didn't, I didn't know how to preach, man. All I knew how to do was tell my story of I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. That was all I had. There, wasn't, there was nobody buying tapes. Matter of fact, I think they probably destroyed the master <laughs> of the tape. But God has great things for us if we'll stop and listen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all that you are to us, all you do through us, all your patience, your kindness. Lord, I pray today if there's anyone battling with pain, they'd turn to you. If there are people who have embraced it, said, I'm going to learn obedience through this suffering, this pain, may they cling to your promises that you'll never leave them nor forsake them. You'll be with them always. You'll be a hedge of protection around them. You promised God that you would take care of us. And Lord, through your promises, we'll find our purpose to fulfill those promises. Help us to hear your voice 
and not just hear it, but listen to it. Your word says that your sheep know your voice. The voice of another they will not hearken to. God, it may not be an audible or an audible human voice or likened to an audible human voice, but there is something in our spirit that perks up when we know that you're doing something in us, speaking to our heart. Help us, Lord. With every head bowed, every eye closed, we want to say a prayer that would lead you into salvation. We don't go to heaven because we're good. We're not going to be able to stand before Jesus and say, you know, I, I, I was morally great. I, I did everything I said I would do. I was a man of integrity. You can be all of those things, but without Jesus, there will not be a heaven. And though I respect all of the things I just said, the reality is none of us are good enough to go without accepting him. So I want everyone to pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today I give my life to you. I repent of my sin. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to do something right there in your home, apartment, wherever you might be, hospital. Just text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Just text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. We'll get that. We'll celebrate with you, pray for you, all right? This time, I want to receive our tithes and offerings. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.